we first start off by saying Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of the Liberated Mind Show. Your host today, myself, Kay, we have Jay, and we have a special guest today, Wadia. And today we will be discussing um, anger. We'll discuss, we'll go in depth as to what anger is and how do we treat anger, if there is any way to treat anger. Jay, if you want to um, pick off things, go for it. All right. Um, once again, thanks for joining us, Wadia. Um, Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the uh, first question. All right. Um, let's first discuss the diff- what's the difference between um, an emotional response and a logical response when it comes to anger? I think the difference is the individual, mm-hmm. the person. Um, you know how they say you have left brain people and right brain people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily, well, we're all ambidextrous, but some people are more left brain, um, dominant and some people are more right brain dominant. I think, um, people respond based on if they are left or right brain dominant. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, um, I, I guess it would depend on how you, how one, how the situation, how how invested you are to the situation. I, I guess that would determine, you know, which which path one might, you know, choose at that time. Uh, most of the time, if we are, I feel as though myself, if if I'm not that heavily invested my emotions won't get the best of me you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like all right you know what i'm not even sweating it no biggie but if it's something that's close and dear you know it's just a natural reaction to be emotional so um but the thing about when we when we rock off emotion it's just like it's not the i mean i hate to use the word that you're comparing it to but it's not the most logical way to deal with it you know what i mean like it's just going off of impulse at that point. So um that's that's how I view the difference between the two. Um Yeah, I definitely agree with um both of you. I believe, like you said, um the more impulsive response usually leads to somewhere deeper and a lot of times depending on the situation, somewhere more dangerous. Whereas though if you have time to think about it, think about how you're going to respond to something and, you know, things of that kind of nature, usually the conclusion will be a lot more peaceful and the resolution will be a lot more positive. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How will people get the tools to learn how to respond logically versus emotionally and like how do you separate the two because i do have i want to hear what you have to say i have tools that i use um but what i do for me might not necessarily work for you so um i'm curious to hear what tools do you use to take the should we say logical route logical versus the emotional route because I think you can be emotional and logical, but it could be a fem- it could be a feminine point. 
Um, <laughs> but I think you can if you, you know, take a step back and, you know what I'm saying, look at the entire situation, that you can be both emotional and logical. Okay, you want to take that or you want me? I'll let you, I'll let you, you don't mind. Um, I agree that you can strike a healthy balance where you can, if you, if you can get your emotions in check, you can still be emotional about something, emotionally invested in something, but also come from a logical place and think about like, for, for example, how I approach everything is that I think about everything that can result from certain actions that I can have to something. So if I'm agitated, I think about, what different actions I could take and the end result from it. And I try to choose the least detrimental to not only like not physically detrimental all the time, but sometimes um, mentally detrimental because sometimes when you go down a rabbit hole, it can mess with your mind and you'll go somewhere that you wasn't intending on going, but because of certain responses, Mm -hmm. It just takes you there. So, like, yeah, for me, like, I just... And it took years for me to get to that point where, like, I think about everything like that. Because it was a time when I was younger, I didn't think about anything. I just had emotional responses. Right. Yeah, that would never work for me. Yeah, <laughs> would never work for me. Because imagining what might possibly happen for me, leads to anxiety. Because the way my brain works is like, like you said, that rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of endless possibilities. And before I even get there, I'm like, listen, I don't know what might happen in the next five or 10 minutes. I try to think about um, what the root of my anger is. Mm Because like Kay said, you, a lot of times if you're not, emotionally invest like you have to be emotionally invested to get angry a lot of times like usually it's very difficult to be truly angry at a stranger because you don't even know them mm-hmm. for example i like wayne dyer you know who wayne dyer is i messed up anyway look at my no. wayne dyer wrote a book called um erroneous zones and another book called um you'll see it when you believe it and he gave this wonderful example he said, um, it was a story he actually told. I'm, this is not verbatim, and I'm going to make it quick. But he said he was driving down the street, and he had his turn signal on, and he realized that his turn wasn't actually for another couple blocks, and he took his turn signal off, and he kept driving, which is normal. Like, we've all done that maybe once or twice, right? Mm-hmm. So he said he looked in his rearview mirror, and the guy behind him was, like, pissed, like, like just going crazy and he he asked the question like what do you think really made him that angry like do you really think it's because i was driving slow do you think it's because of the kind of car i was driving like what do you think really really made him angry because somebody leaving a turning signal on for an extra block is not that serious right what I'm saying, but people do let small, small things 
get them really, really, they make them really, they get really, really passionate about the smallest things. And I think passion is like the other degree of anger. Like you can't get angry about something you're not passionate about. Like nobody's going to get angry at the stranger down the street doing something random. Like you might get, I don't know, I'm different. But that was the story that he, um, that was the story that he said. And it just made me think like, there's always a real root to anger. And it's usually not what triggered the individual. The root is usually something else. Like, and I think if we all dig down and figure out what that root is, then we use that. Cause that's what I use. Like me trying to figure out the future, what might happen and how I might respond. That don't work for me. Um, <laughs> because my imagination can be negative. Mm -hmm. but so for somebody who struggles with like negative imagination it, imagining an outcome wouldn't be the best tool so I look into myself I um the tool I use is I make everything good everything that I think is bad I find the good in it and I make it good so that I can't possibly be angry so if somebody got they turn this signal on for two blocks I automatically imagine oh they must be lost or Maybe it's a little old lady and or anything. I automatically justify situations. That's how that's what helps me not get angry. I justify stuff for people so that I don't have to get mad at them. That works for me. I, I can see that in some in some um with some experiences. Um to just to try and justify it. But yeah. in a sense for the reason I, I'll tell you where the I may disagree at that point, but uh, first, uh, do we? Because I can learn something from disagreements. It's all good, right? That's what we're here for. Learn from one another. So it's like, first, how do we define anger? What is anger? That's that's it's an emotion, it's an emotion but it's not the only emotion. You know, <laughs> we have different degrees of emotions, so. I mean, I was once told, I forgot who told me this, but they were telling me that. Because they asked me that before. They said, what is anger? And I was just like, you know, just describing basically what, how you feel being angry. Oh, it's when you're mad, this, that, the third. I think mad was the main word I used. This person broke it down. It's like, if you really think about it, anger is nothing but sadness in action. That's, mm. interesting. That's so, interesting. If you sit back and think about it, it's like, all right, you do get sad. There's things that make you sad that it's basically you putting that extra motion into it, which turns it into anger. Because you could be sad about a situation, right? And just thinking about it over time, it just gets you ramped up to where you want to do something about it. And that's basically... It, it roots, it stems from there. So it's like, I was trying to think of situations to where, okay, I've been extremely angry. And it's like, all right, for those that are married, you know, there's plenty of times you get angry. But it's like, all right, what what was the cause of this argument? What, what made it, what made me angry in the situation? And it's not necessarily the way somebody says something to you. It's just that maybe you've been putting up with it for so long. And it's just like, yo, I'm just want to get over this. I'm, I'm sick of fighting over this. 
to the point to where you just you just reached your last, you know, your your last nerve, and you just have that. You just go off at that point. You just black out. So that's where the, like I said, that sadness and motion comes into play. So going back to your point about how you try to justify as someone's action, like in that um, scenario with the car. Um, yeah, you could, you could do that. But what if it's, what if you're in a, in a, an emergency and you need to be somewhere? It's not like, oh, I'm late to work or whatever, but there's a serious emergency. You're going to check on a loved one. Mm-hmm. This is where that logic versus emotion comes into play, though. It's like, all right, so now you're heavily invested in, I need to get to my point, my destination. So at that point, your tool, how does your tool work in that situation? Oh, I thank you for asking me that question, because I would love to share with people. Mm -hmm. And in most situations, it's no different. I justify. I feel like there's always a situation that will make you sympathetic to someone's behavior. Um, Because a lot of times when we get upset, in my opinion, it's because the world isn't going the way we think the world should go. That person isn't driving the way I think they should drive. So um, what I do is the same thing. I justify it. I think in my mind, what would be the situation that, if I knew this information, I wouldn't be angry. And I go to that and I assume that that must be what it is. For example, if in my mind, um, just because for some people, it being a little old lady is not enough justification. Right. For me, that's enough. If it's a little old lady, she driving, that's enough for me. But for some other people, they may need something deeper, something that's more... Um, connected to their personal experiences so say your personal experience might be um let me think with this following an example of the car say your personal experience may be um you have allergies and sometimes when you drive you sneeze and it causes you to drive slow so knowing that might help you sympathize with a person that's driving slow in front of you you see where i'm coming from So I go to a justification that I can relate to that would make me like, basically, if that was me, basically what would make me not angry if I had this piece of information? Because a lot of times we we're misinformed and, or we're making assumptions. And um, that's what, that's really what, where the anger is coming from. A lot of times I think anger is coming from our imagination us imagining what's going to happen. Like you said, um, I need to get to my destination. Like, really, what's going to happen if you get there five more minutes later? You don't know. You're not a psychic. Like, you don't live in the future. You don't know. Nothing Nothing may happen at all. Like, there's a, there's a term that says, um, why worry? It will probably never happen. So um, with that being said, I think a lot of times, that anger and anxiousness comes from us using our imagination a little bit too much. Like us imagining, oh, if I don't get to my loved one who's in the hospital, they're going to die or something like that. And I'm like, instead of using your imagination to say, oh, I need to, you know, if I don't get to my loved one in five minutes, they're going to die. How about we shift that thinking 
to, oh, that's probably a little old lady in that car. Let me be patient. Um, you know what I'm saying? Let's hope she's not in that car having a heart attack. Like, let's just transform our thinking into being more compassionate about the way others behave instead of being so quick to anger. Like, we just automatically assume, oh, they're left their signal on on purpose to get on my nerves. Like, yeah, nobody does that. No, <laughs> nobody's doing that. I mean, if they are, it kind of sucks. But I don't think the majority of people are going around intentionally offending people with their behaviors. I think people are becoming offended with other people's behaviors because they use their imagination a little bit too much. But um, that's just where I'm coming from. from it. I use the same technique. I will justify, justify, justify. Whatever thought I can create, because thought in reality is like real thin line. So it's like whatever thought I can create to make me like, oh, that's a little old lady. I wouldn't get mad at a little old lady driving, driving slow. I think that thought, and then I'm not mad no more. So, but like I said, what works for me don't work. My, like James said, that don't work for him. He got to, he got to map out the different scenarios and see for me, that don't work for me. Cause all them scenarios, I'm going to be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, was, I know that um, I do talk a lot. <laughs> no, 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 you fine. That's what, that's what this is for. But, um, I want to go back to your original question. Um, I think with a lot of people, um, there's like underlying trauma that never gets dealt with yeah. because unfortunately therapy is seen as taboo and as used to be thing. used to be i'm gonna say still do you think so i mean to, to an extent it's, it's it's more accepted now yes but to an extent still people feel like they don't you know you know that mentality like you, i'll just handle it myself or i'll just keep i'll just hold it in and just deal with it some people still got that mentality when that's not the way to go. I agree. So and they suppress their anger. And yeah, some people suppress their anger. And mm -hmm. those are the people that shoot up in schools. Yeah. Because you can't suppress your anger. You got to embrace it. Yeah. You do got to like find a way to let it out mm -hmm. in the most positive way possible. Some people can take up writing, writing in a journal. Some right. people need to go to them therapy sessions and let it out that way. And um, to dive into the second point that came up about like the definition of anger, how I always defined it is um, anger is the enemy of peace and the eater of your spirit. Because hmm. I feel like if you're angry, you don't, you're not in peace at that moment. And the more angry you get, the more your spirit gets devoured and you lose yourself. Oh, I, I, I like that. I like that. Because that, now that makes me wonder, like, all right, so is anger a good thing or a bad thing? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? It's relative. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I think it's relative because if you get angry and you hold it in, it's going to be a very negative thing after a while. But mm. if you get angry and you have some kind of outlet for it, 
where you can get it out. Like I said, with journal writing or something like that. Some people like artists, they might go to the studio, lay down some songs. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, they'd be cool. Right. So if they got that kind of positive outlet, anger can be turned into something good. That's right. So like like what Dia says, like it's relative. Okay. And then like when you think about that, right? Like what some people do to um channel or embrace their anger, they almost almost each individual had to figure it out for themselves because it's mm-hmm. different for each individual. So it's not like I can say I can go and ask anybody else, what should I do to suppress my anger? Right. <laughs> it's, it's something that each individual has to um, look within themselves and figure out what's going to work for them in their mental. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, you got to find peace. got to find however you do it. And peace looks different to different people. Remember that. Definitely. Some people call, some people think, some people call peace what I would call drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some people can't can't function without the, the whirlwind and the storms. They need that to be centered. Mm. Well, the universe is perfect. I ain't denying that. We need all types of people. Yeah. Good, bad, and different. Yeah, how you view things. Perception is reality, unfortunately. It is. Perception is reality. So going back to anger, that's why I said I create fake scenarios. Well, they're not fake. They're real to me. Mm. That's why I just, instead of getting angry at somebody, that's why I create um, an, a, an imaginary justification. Or it might not be imaginary. It could just be real. Mm-hmm. But Whatever I do, that's how that's that's why I do that. Because perception is reality. What you perceive is real. So if you're thinking like, oh my goodness, this person is not doing that intentionally to annoy me, they're doing that for other reasons. That can actually be a tool. So it just sucks that there aren't there isn't really is not taught in schools. Like, well, at least not American schools anyway. I know in some other countries they teach meditation. But what to do when you're angry is not really something that's taught. Not even really, I don't even, I don't think my parents taught me that. And how contradictory is it to yell at your kids, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Be quiet. Like, so. We want we we have good intentions with teaching our children not to be angry, but I know the example that I seen was not <laughs> anything synonymous with what was coming out of those people's mouths. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they they yelling at you to get you to calm down. Ain't that so? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I've been guilty of yelling at my kids. Mm-hmm. To try to get them to calm down in the past. Um, I've been guilty, but that's what helped me reflect and say, yo, why am I doing this? Like, why? Like, and it took for my daughter, she got angry and she yelled at me. 
And I was speaking to her calmly. And I just, I was like, wow, this must be what it's like when she's upset or like when she's excited or passionate about something. And I'm like, calm down. It's like, what lady? When you're passionate, you're not calm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're mm -hmm. excited and you're passionate. So, <laughs> well, I, I don't know, just a thought. Yeah. Now that, that, that reminds me, cause I got, I got a four year old and when she gets upset, to the point where she'll get upset over the littlest thing. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep her, how to keep her emotions in check as far as outside opinions upsetting her. Like um, with my niece, they'll go back and forth over what I, what I consider just bull, but to them it means the world. So She'd be like, well, stop saying that. She keeps saying that. And it gets my daughter riled up. And I said, listen, you can't let other people, what they think or say, upset you. I said, what you need to do is when you feel yourself getting to that, I say, just take, you know, deep breaths. Take at least five deep breaths. So that's, I got her in that routine. You gave her tools. Hmm? You gave her tools. Right. I'm, well, yeah. That, yeah. True. So I'm trying to get her, you know, in the habit of doing that because, like I said, I know she gets frustrated easily. And when she saw me getting frustrated, she's like, remember, Daddy, take deep breaths. And I just started laughing. I was like, oh, you know, I'm taking my own advice. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I never looked at it as a tool. But, yeah, that that is a, a tool, per se. Man, I had to go and get my own tools. Like, because just nobody was, te nobody teaches, like, we're talking about it now. And I know people are going to receive something from this. But it's really, other than, like, anger management classes, which sure, most people are mandated to go to after they've expressed their anger in the, and, you know, a not normal way, they get forced to go to these anger management classes. But... What about managing your anger before you explode? Mm -hmm. Nobody's doing anything to help people with that. And a lot of people are angry, <laughs> especially mm -hmm. now. 2020. I mean, 20, it's 2021. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had a lot of angry people in 2020. And I'm so glad that I just don't think that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of angry people and it's it's unfortunate because if they had to help like you were mentioning, um, to help them better cope with it, they would never get to the point where they have to be mandated to go to anger management. They would be like they'll be able to, you know, check that check that anger before it reaches that negative response. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but um, all right. This kind of leads into the next question. So, we we've touched on this a little bit. Everybody has their breaking point. So, why is it um that some people immediately go from zero to a hundred and get confrontational and defensive? Because they haven't been given the tools, like Kay gave his daughter. <laughs> I think that's that is really the only explanation. They don't 
that is what we've been shown over the years because you think about it on TV, um, our parents, even teachers, even even religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Like, they get angry. And what do they usually do when they get angry? They shout or they throw something or they punch something or, like, it's usually that we've been seeing the same behaviors, so we've been repeating the same behaviors. Like, mm-hmm. it's pretty common sense to me. That's what you you go with what you know. Now, if we can transform what people know by leading by example, by like not getting angry or like you said, or like Kay said, um, taking a deep breaths. Like his daughter, he gave his daughter a tool and then she gave it back to him. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. That is mm-hmm. beautiful. Like she's going to do that. And like imagine how imagine how this seed is going to grow that he planted you know what I mean? it's going to grow into a big ass tree mm-hmm. like she's going to tell her friends and then they're going to tell their like i can see it one day one of her friends is going to get upset and she's going to say take deep breaths like but we didn't have that we had uh punch a wall or go go be her ass like somebody make you mad go be her ass like, yeah. that's how i came up I came up, somebody piss you off, be her ass. Right. <laughs> that's just that's what we were taught. Well, that's what I don't know. I'm I live I grew up in an urban community. So a lot of people in urban areas are taught to respond to anger with anger and to sometimes even respond with anger even if you're not being met with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a survival thing. Yeah, it's like ah, you better get aggressive, or they going. You know, it's I don't know. I think growing up in an urban community, um, it definitely lack like a lot of people in urban communities lack the tools, so they tend to go from zero to one hundred real quick. Versus people in suburban communities, um, where they have more access to those tools, they see those tools being used more often. And um, that seed, the seeds of those trees just grows bigger. I think it's, so I guess my answer is, um, I think it's proximity or, well, tools, or what thereof, based on proximity. So I think my answer would be, some people go from zero to 100 real quick versus other people being logical because people are given certain tools and they can only use the tools that they're given. And the tools you are given are usually based on where you grow up. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's, I guess it's what's what's accepted, right? So, yeah, that's, that's I never thought of it that way, but yeah, I definitely see that point. Um, yeah, like um, location. That's crazy. Location, um, or are we saying location, or we, or do we mean culture? Um, I think culture and location tend to go hand in hand a lot of times. There are exceptions to the rules within cultures. There are exceptions to the rules within places, but I, I, we can say cultures, but I, I try to get a. I just don't want to. I didn't want to say black and white. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times things get broken down into black and white, whereas like 
you know, all black people have these experiences and all white people have these experiences and that's not true because you have black people who live in suburban communities who don't have the experiences of urban black people and you have um, <laughs> urban white people who've never had those experiences of suburban white people. So you, I try not, I try to stay away from black and white, although it is very obvious the majority of black people live in urban communities and the majority of white people live in suburban communities. But I just try to stay away from um, using those terms in my vocabulary. I was just thinking like, um, because when she said that, it was like, all right, location, culture, she's like, they like go hand in hand and she's like, with exceptions. So that's the part she threw out in there. It's just like, all right, I see, I see what you, the point you're making. So like I said, I just, Culture, when I was think, when I always think culture, I'm always thinking, you know, like, um, well, she broke it down. It's like your location, I guess, culture is a set of people, people that uh, have a commonality. So, therefore, I guess they would have to be in the same location. So, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, when she threw that in there, it's like, okay. Not necessarily at the location because there, uh, you can have a, you have a culture of foodies. Like that's being a foodie is a culture now. Like you have all these for okay, let me let me not be so detailed. You have um the deaf community is a culture. Make right. sense? Mm-hmm. So that is in my opinion, that's a culture. There's a it's a culture of people that um they have something specific that's specific to just them, the which is hearing. lack of hearing or not being able to hear well. And, or using American Sign Language. So being deaf, you, you're a part of a culture, the deaf culture, the culture of deaf people. So when I think of a culture, I just think of, like you said, people with commonalities. I don't think of necessarily, like I don't even think that you necessarily have to be in the same location. I just think you have to have something in common. Yeah, to go back to the, uh, what you were talking about early on, what did about um, this last question. I will also say, um, like generational curses, mm. things that's passed down and stuff, and um, anger is one of, yeah, and, and how to deal with it is passed down as well. Mm. Like even if it comes to how you um, discipline your kids, it may be rooted in anger. So a lot of pe- a lot of times people don't think about that kind of stuff, and also trauma from slavery has been passed down in our DNA. So some people are some people are truly angry and don't know why. Mm. And That's is, why they say the root. Yeah, and it's crazy to it's crazy it's crazy to think about it until you really think about it. When you really think about it, you be like if that's if that's in your DNA and you carrying that weight because that was a lot of weight to carry. Right. And if it's in your DNA, sometimes you're going to be angry and not know why. It's going to be some kind of trigger that triggers you, and you might never know why. Mm-mm. Certain situations with certain people might, tr- might trigger that all up in you, and you might just get real... Like it could be like a news story that happens, right? The police killings or something like that. 
Yeah. And it keeps you constantly angry. I know it happens to me. I'm not even going to lie. When I see those stories, that's why sometimes I have to uh, disable my account for a while, my Facebook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I can't keep seeing that stuff because I'm constantly in a state of anger. Mm. Anger. Are you familiar with universal law first? Before I go. If not, um, I would I would definitely the, the tell basics. you. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, there's a law. Uh, and this law is <laughs> called the law of polarity. It basically means everything is on a spectrum. Like imagine a circle, right? Everything is on this circle. They talk about it talks about hot and cold, how hot and cold is on the spectrum, right? Now when I say hot and cold, I want you to replace hot and cold with anger and passion, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So you got hot and cold on this circle. Now imagine I drew a circle and I said, this line represents hot and cold. In this circle, half of it, let's just say for the visual sakes, half of it is blue for cold, half of it is red for hot, right? So, with this visual in your mind, I want you to think about at what point does cold become hot and hot become cold? At the highest and yeah, at the yeah, lowest. lowest yeah. So, what I'm, what I'm leading into is we actually have the power of experiencing anger and transforming it into passion. So, you can get so angry about something. And then decide in your mind that instead of expressing it with anger, that you're going to instead express it with passion. And that's where people came out with the peaceful protests and stuff like that. They turned, these are higher thinking people, people that had the ability to, they said, I'm angry and I'm going to do something about it, but I don't want to punch people's faces. Mm. So they said, what can I do? And some people did art. Some people did protests. Some people did song. But they transformed their anger into passion. And we all have the ability to do that. So if you're constantly finding yourself angry, I challenge you, James. <laughs> this is a challenge. Not to block your, not to cut off your Facebook, but to try to go to the highest level. Cause once you get to that boiling point, if you think, if you go back to my visual, if you at the top of hot, you can only go to cold. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, and remember I said, it's not hot and cold. It's anger and passion. You can imagine being so angry about something that you want to do something about it. Is that mm -hmm. not passion? Yeah. Now, what you can do is you can transmute that into everything you get angry about, or at least try. Mm -hmm. That's fact. my challenge for you. Fun fact. Yeah. This, I challenge you too, Kay. It's a challenge. Yeah. It's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> fun, fun fact, though. Um, this podcast started this year out of that anger. After, after the was it Was it George Floyd? Ahmaud yeah. Arbery. I think you, you started no. it. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Ahmad Arbery. It was all around that era. Yeah, it was it was Ahmad, 
Brianna and George Floyd. Mm-hmm. See, look at that. So, so look, like I done this, proved, you done proved me right. Uh. Yeah, this <laughs> this um this whole podcast pretty much it was an idea that we had before and we tried it, but this in, incarnation of it was because, rooted out of that. Because now you so you got so angry that you said, you know what? At this point, I don't care. This is I'm passionate. I'm going to do something about it. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Like that's beautiful, ain't that beautiful? Yeah. Now, it's beauty in everything. Like if we could just teach other people that you are angry because you care, like you wouldn't be mad if you didn't care. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine the. I'll, I'll use this example. Um, because I used to work with individuals um, that were different. Some people called them individuals with disabilities. Some people called them the disabled. I just call them people that are different. So imagine somebody that was different. Imagine you in the mall, right? And somebody that was different step on your brand new shoes. How pissed off are you? You're not that pissed off because this person is different. And and when I say different, I mean visibly different. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not, or or let's even say a blind man. You're not that pissed off that a blind man steps on your toes. Now, say your cousin who owe you $30 that stepped on your brand new sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> the passion comes from the connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Henceforth, the anger. But if we can just teach everybody, ah, smile through your anger, boo, and transform it into passion. Then more people would... Um, do things that they love and feel good about. And the more you feel good, the less possible it is for people to even make you angry. You ever have such a good day that nothing bothers you? Mm-hmm. Like you just decide nothing is going to bother you today. Nothing, 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 nothing. Well, I'm working on being like that every day. <laughs> hey. oh, that's right. Dropping gems, dropping gems though, for real. Yeah, definitely. All right, so um, focusing more on defensiveness now is um defensiveness a symptom of the misplaced anger from resol- unresolved issues or trauma in life? Defensiveness, mm-hmm. I think, comes from lack of information, like I said earlier, and people using their imagination too much. I think we get defensive because we make assumptions about people's about people and situations, and um, like <laughs> half the times our assumptions I think be wrong. Like, what's an example I can use? Um, example: I just used this with my sister the other day. Uh, you ever, whether you place yourself, you ever um you ever been like driving or in the middle of something and somebody is calling you back to back to back and you just can't get to your phone mm-hmm. and they're assuming that you can't get to your phone for all of these other reasons. Mm-hmm. I think it's similar to that. I think defensiveness comes from um, people creating scenarios that don't exist. <laughs> so it's like I feel now I've been calling you, calling you, calling you, calling you 
and I done created, for example, I'll use relationships. A wife calls her husband and he's not answering the phone because let's say he's, um, he's helping a little old lady with her groceries. So he's not, he's not answering his phone. He's completely innocent. So she's creating all these scenarios in her head. Oh, he's with his side chick. Oh, he must be doing this. Oh, he must be doing that. So now we're angry. What are we angry about? We what are we really angry about? That this person didn't answer their phone? No, we're not angry about that. We're angry because we created these scenarios in our head and our mind can't tell the difference between thought and reality. So when you're thinking, oh, he must be with his side chick, your mind agrees with you whether it's true or not. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I think defensiveness comes from us creating false narratives and using our imagination too much. Like we're like, oh, this must be happening. He's not answering his phone. He's cheating on me. And then as soon as he answered the phone, you're like, where you at? FaceTime <laughs> Turn the camera around. And he's like, yo, I was helping the old lady with her groceries. But, um, now you angry and literally the only thing that happened was you made a phone call. Like these are the facts. You made a phone call. The phone call wasn't answered. Those are the facts. Nothing else is fact. Everything mm -hmm. else we created in our mind and it created anger. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> right. I'll put another scenario out there. So let's say, let's say that you're telling somebody the truth about something, right? Just trying mm -hmm. to present something to them, like saying that, um, let me think of something. I know. Let's, right. say, let's, say, let's, say, let's say you're having a conversation with somebody and you tell them like, you need to start, you need to, you need to listen to what I'm saying and not listen and to respond. And then they get defensive. Like, because you're telling them something that's true. Where do you think that defensiveness comes from? Oh, you right away. It's only one answer for that. It, it comes from the Kabbalion. You familiar with the Kabbalion? Yeah. The first line in the Kabbalion states, <laughs> the lips of wisdom are closed except to ears of understanding. So first of all, you can't explain something to somebody that don't have the ability to understand what you, that doesn't have the ability to comprehend what you're saying. And what I mean by that is, you know how when you're in college, you have to take prerequisites or even in high school, you got to take, um, you got to learn basic math before you can move on to algebra and you got to learn basic algebra before you can move on to calculus. Mm-hmm. It's like that. That's where the defensiveness comes from. The defensiveness comes from um, them not having fulfilled those prerequisites. So now when you're trying to explain things to them or give them tools that could be helpful, it's like words, words, words. They can't, they can't comprehend what you're saying because mm -hmm. they don't have those prerequisites. It's like trying to teach somebody algebra that don't know, you know, multiplication. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. Definitely makes sense. What about you, Kay? Um, that's uh, um, that's that's some underlying issue. That's, it might it may be 
Like, you know, I don't know. Is it based off a scenario? You're just saying in general, someone someone has this attribute where they feel as though basically they shit don't stink. Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, basically, like, yeah, it's like that. How can I say? It? It's like that air, like they don't like if you tell them something, you gotta tell them what they want to hear, not right. what they not what they should hear. Right. Yeah. Um, you got to do nothing. What's that? You ain't never got to do nothing. I don't. T- I don't give people what they want to hear anymore. So people stop talking to me. Right. <laughs> I, I got a couple family members like that. It's like it's funny. The only time that they want to hear an advice from you is when it's like on their on their accord. It's not like if you see them making a bad, you know, decision and you just want to give some input, say, listen, I always put it, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just putting this out there for you. I'd be wary of this situation, but they're not trying to hear it because mm-hmm. in their in world, when things is going good, they're going good. But it's when things are going bad, oh, I'm open to hearing you now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we have some people who... That's just who they are. And it may not even be, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. I'm not a shrink. So it's, you know, it's difficult. (laughs) It's difficult to try and figure out why they do those things. But um, yeah, some people, I think some people is just wired like that to the point where it's like, all right, if everything's going good in my world, can't nobody tell me nothing. So even in times of anger, they just like, you know what? I can do no wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think when I was younger, I want to say like late teens, early twenties. I think I had somewhat of that. Like, yo, know, you, my decisions. I know I'm making the right decision. You can't tell me it's a wrong decision. But you know, experience is a enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Learning by experience is a wake up call. Some some people. Some some people just need to learn through experience, whereas they just can't take advice. It's like, all right, well, I got to find out the hard way. You know what I, I mean? Think, I think most need to learn through experience. Yeah, I mean, they say experience is a harsh teacher. And, you know, if, if you can, you know, what what Jay say? What Jay-Z say? Hope did that, so hopefully you won't have to go through that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. Nah, but uh, all right, let's jump into the, the the last question. All right, so do y'all think uh, knowledge itself and uh, making sure that you vibrate on a higher frequency are good ways to control your anger? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, it's so much deep stuff in that statement. And that's what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about like prerequisites. Most people don't know what you mean when you say vibrations. Mm-hmm. So when you make a statement like that to them, you this is going to be like blah 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 because they don't understand. They can't. They can't understand. The lips of wisdom are closed except to the ears of understanding. If they're not capable of understanding, it's just going to be like blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So it is a great tool. But before we give them that tool, 
of raising their vibrations to another level, we have to first help them understand what those vibrations are and how to control them. Man, you are so smart. Y'all is smart. <laughs> and I'm not surprised. I wasn't saying it like I'm surprised. I was saying it like it's beautiful. I appreciate it. <laughs> Go ahead, Kay, you got something to add? <laughs> yeah, again. <laughs> now, like I said, I'm in agreement. Yeah, it's definitely something that's that benefit and controlling. I, I don't know what more to add to that because I agree with it. Yeah, no, nah, that's, that's definitely true. But I feel like, um, all right, so going back to what Wadia said. If you're teaching, if you if you're going to take the time to teach somebody how to obtain the knowledge itself, I believe teaching them that um, how to obtain that will lead to them vibrating on a higher frequency anyway. Mm-hmm. I, believe, I believe that we're missing that in our community. Yes, we are. A lot of people are not aware of who we were pre-slavery. People believe that our history starts with slavery. Mm-hmm. They don't realize the royalty that we were, African spiritualism, and everything. Mm. Preach. Okay, right. you got anything? Oh. Um, I mean, I agree with everything you just stated as far as... um. You have to, I believe it's also tools, like you said, which comes from knowing who you are and using, this is, I think what, in my opinion, this is, is it an opinion or is it a fact? Trying to use the, the, um, the blueprint of someone else's just using someone else's blueprint at the end of the day, you're not going to understand it fully. Yeah, you can try and read it and say, okay, this is what I think they mean when you try to decipher that on your own. But you, without you being there to draw it up from the ground up, you're not going to understand how to navigate, how to read that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's where we run into this issue. It's like, okay, we're using elements of this, elements of that. And where where's my true, and I bring it back to culture, where's my true culture? Without mm. so that understanding, mm. we're using other people's culture to try and deal with our issues. And without us, you know, Reverting back, taking it back to our origins, but we're always we're never going to see the full the full picture and understand how to deal with these things because I'll put it like this: Do you see it coming from the other angle where others are trying to use our culture to deal with things that impact them? Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that. It wouldn't work for them; it'd be backwards. Therefore, I think that's why we. A person can run into this, it's almost like a loop 
where they would just run into this to where they can't, they're just stuck. They just can't seem to elevate beyond that. So I, I think, I think once we have those, goes back to the tools, once we have those correct tools, understanding of self, I think then that's, that's advice and tools that we pass on the generation to improve. You know what we used to do back in the day? I'm actually, I'm planning on bringing that back. So you're welcome. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what we used to do back in the day is tell stories, fables, parables. Right. And we would teach through that because it was a simplified way of teaching um, lower minds, which were children. Now we're all lower minds. But lower minds used to be just children. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, so I'm I'm actually getting back into storytelling. I'm going to go. I'm going back to the original. I mean, the Aesop fables. Mm-hmm. I think if we just brought that back, it would um, begin to lay the foundation for our pyramid. Because, but we gotta be. We gotta remember the kids that we're raising. We're raising them for um, a time that we've never lived in and will never live in. Mm. So we got to be really careful with discouraging them from um, ideals with what we think is possible. It's real easy, real easy, real easy to be like, oh, as a culture, we need to do this all together. It's always going to be contrarians and stuff like that. But we all need to really work on a more individual level, I think. Mm. And I think the way we work on the individual level is, like you said, self-development. Like, really, I think it's really going to be like an each one teach one situation. Like, each one teach one. Uh, it's just so much please if you don't mind can you elaborate on that on what each one teach one yeah mentorship because well then then but not with white like (laughs) i I hear what y'all saying like going back to black culture but we got to understand what culture was never will be make sense we can teach our kids about what it was but that's not what it ever will be. So you don't want to restrict them with what was. For example, I, this, this is the best example I can give. Um, it comes from Guru. He says, if I ask you two questions right now, can you get up out your chair and walk? You'll say yes. If I say, can you get up out your chair and fly? You'll say no. You basically are, you basically have this knowledge based off of your past experiences. You've never gotten up from a chair and flown, so you would say, no, I can't get up from this chair and fly. But you've gotten up from the chair and walked hundreds of times, so you like, yes, I can do that, right? What we don't want to do is indoctrinate our children with thinking that our only option is getting up from this chair and walking away, because then we eliminate the possibility of getting up and flying. Think about, think about 100 years ago. There was somebody who said, you know what? I want to talk to somebody and not be in the same room with them. 
How can I make that happen? Thank God they didn't have a parent that said, that's impossible. You won't be able to do that. We've never done that in the past. Look at our history. Like history is good to reflect upon, but you don't want it to, you don't want it to disrupt the possibilities of the future. Make sense? So yes, educate them on their past. But the past is the past. It's gone. It's the wake. Like the wake on the boat. Mm -hmm. It's the wake. It's, it's done. Mm -hmm. Now, moving forward, like what are you going to do in your generation? You don't know if you're going to be here to see it. Mm -hmm. So you, 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 you really can't prepare your kids for it. Because you don't know what it is. You don't know what you need to prepare them for. Did you prepare yourself for this pandemic this year? No one did. Mm, nobody. Because they didn't know it was coming. So do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You can try your best to prepare your kid for some shit. But what? Like, imagine how many... Think about all the kids that went to fucking college. This last four years that passed. And there was a fucking pandemic. And now they're understanding that they didn't have to go $150,000 in debt to achieve what some of the things that they might want to achieve. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, we're, we're, we are literally crossing over into a new age, a new generation. Like, basically, like, we're crossing over, like, when we got electricity, but it's on a conscious level. We crossing over. Look, you feel it? No, I, I agree um, to, a, to a certain extent. I feel Where like, do you um, disagree? Because I would love to learn. It's not that I disagree. I feel like the part about about the past, about teaching about the past, I do feel like I I feel like I still I still believe that you need to know where you've been to help you go where you need to go. And if you can, if if Hollywood keeps putting out these slave movies, oh yeah, you that that's all that's all that you were. That's propaganda. We we yeah. first of all. Social, they could do that all they want to at this point because the pandemic killed Hollywood. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, but like social, social. So that's what I mean by we're literally moving into a new age. You yeah. just referenced something that you went through in your generation, whereas Hollywood movies were propaganda for you. That's not going to be the kids' future. They're not growing up in that. They got access to Google. This is the Google it generation. You can't get one over on the Google it generation. You can't. So That's now everybody's stuck with having to pivot. You see what I'm saying? Now everybody got to pivot. They got to figure out, oh, how can I survive and make money off of these new, this new generation of thinkers? I guess both, both places work. But for real, man, these prerequisites are important. If prerequisites are super important before you try to tell somebody how to um what to do with their anger or how they should do something you first need to make sure that they understand that they understand self and what it means that by them doing the work because a lot of times people be thinking that other people can do stuff to make them feel but nobody else can do stuff to make you feel you make you feel so, no, but uh, yeah, that's a good place to stop, though. But um, 
Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Liberated Mind Show. Uh, once again, that's Kay. I'm Jay. And thank you to our guest, Wadia, for... Hey, y'all. I'll be back. They like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Keep the discussion going. I hope y'all got some good information. Uh, peace. Don't forget to share. Time. Right? Share. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Peace. Good night. All right. Thank you.